I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Let's go to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. It's Bruce Springsteen fan. It's <laughs> Brown's beat writer for the Chronicle Telegram. And you can read all of his work at brownzone.com. He's Mr. Scott Petrak. Hello, Scott. What's going on, fellas? Hey, man. How are you? I'm great. Good, good, good. Um, apparently, coaching staff shakeups, which I sit back and I think, you know, those are all done to uh, keep Deshaun Watson comfortable and enhance his play moving forward with Alex Van Pelt, who he's comfortable with, becoming the quarterback coach. You like it? Does it work? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, Van Pelt's not going to have the title, I don't think, of quarterback's coach, but they're not going to hire one, so it should look a lot like it did in you know, 2020, 2020 and 2021 when Baker Mayfield was a quarterback. The Browns didn't have a designated QB coach, and it meant Ben Pelt spent a lot of time um, with Baker. So I think the transition will be smooth, obviously, from you know for Deshaun Watson not having Drew Petzing as a quarterback's coach. Then you had a veteran guy in Bill Musgrave. And, you know, I think the overall coaching changes, right, and there have been several, is, you know, you had obviously Joe Woods, a defensive coordinator, fired, and then Mike Prefer last week fired as special teams coordinator. I think it speaks to the sense of urgency and the not being satisfied with two straight years missing the playoffs and Stefanski realizing something significant had to change. The the changing of the staff excuses end though, right? I mean, they've made, they made a ton of changes. And so I, I just don't know. I can go to next year going, okay, well we can blame this guy or blame that guy. That, that's got to stop, right? There's no, like to me, it's like Kevin's given up all the parachutes for, for coaching staff to make sure that he can, like, I just don't think there's any more excuses. This coaching staff has got to get it done. True yeah, I think you're right. And, and, you know, Kevin's never, he's not come out and blamed, you know, Mike Prefer, Joe Woods, but that's the assumption when guys get fired, right? And I know plenty of people on the outside, including we've talked about it a billion times, the struggles with, um, you know, the defense and special teams. But I, I think you're, I think you're saying the same thing, Andy. It just speaks to the fact that I think Kevin Stefanski, and I think it, the same probably applies for general manager Andrew Barry is that things need to change in 2023 and missing the playoffs again, you know, it's probably not going to be tolerated. I mean, that's just how the NFL works. We've seen how the Hasms have worked. And I think if you're in that position as Kevin Stefanski, you say, okay, do I want to kind of put all my eggs into the basket with these guys or do I want to try to upgrade? And I think that's what Stefanski thought was necessary. And I think that was obvious with the change from prefer to Bubba Ventrone, right? The reason yeah. Mike Prefer stayed around for a month after Joe Woods was fired is because you had to make sure you could upgrade at that position. And then when it became at least clear to Stefanski that he, in his mind it's an upgrade, he made the move. 
So I think it just speaks to, yeah, things have to change and things have to be better this year. Scott Petrax joining us from the Chronicle Telegram. A little note out today from The Athletic out of Philadelphia that the Eagles would be very open to trading Quez Watkins. I saw that and I thought, hmm, okay, fine. He's the kind of guy or a guy like him, Scott, two, three, four-year veteran who's had some success in the league, might be in a situation where, boy, he's not going to – he's not going to pass up the two guys ahead of him in Philadelphia where he might be available at a really reasonable price and would be a, to me, the perfect guy to bring in to be a, if you want to slot him, a three or a four wide receiver on this team with Donovan Peoples Jones. After you bring in your two guy to play alongside Amari Cooper. And, and I think a lot of those guys will be available. I'm hoping the Browns go in that direction and bring in somebody like him. Yeah, that's interesting, Jeff. I, you know, I'm working on a kind of a combine preview story right now and just thinking about all the different ways that Andrew Barry can improve this roster. And when you don't have a first draft pick, you have to be more creative. Um, and we saw that last year when he went and traded the agreement for the trade before free agency even started. And I have no doubt that Andrew Barry will pursue – it doesn't have to be an Amari Cooper level player, although I'm sure he's open to doing that. Um, it can be a lower level guy, like you've mentioned. And I think there have to be multiple solutions. And in that position, you know, I think it's interesting you talk about finding that number two to slot between Cooper and DPJ. And where do you find that guy? Um, you know, is it for agency, which is not a strong class, it feels to me it's more likely to come through a trade if you can find the right spot. Or, you know, do you spend that, whatever, the the second-round pick, is that where you really go after finding that guy? Because, you know, we've talked about it a million times, receivers up there, right, probably under D-tackle and defensive end, but it's certainly an area that needs to be improved. I I wonder how the Browns approach, like how do you approach a – combine for what you're looking for because i you know are you looking at i don't want to say you're looking at second tier tip players but you're looking at top tier players you're hoping are going to slip through right i, I don't know yeah. like what's the philosophy yeah i think that's exactly right andy I, I think you look at guys that you know are maybe slotted you know probably starting at number 20 maybe number 25 and say okay if the draft falls this way is this guy possibly going to be there or it you know, when they draft in the second round, I think it's 42, right? Or can, you know, will the guy be there at 37 and we can trade up to get him, right? So I, there's a pretty big pool of guys. And, and, you know, how it is. You look at a million mock drafts and you'll have a guy going 30 and one and he goes at 55 and another. So you do have to really have cast a wide net and just look at all the guys, especially at the positions that are the biggest needs. And, you know, you can't get around D tackle, D end. And receiver, and those aren't the only needs, but those are the ones when you're talking about second and third round picks that scream it's going to be one of those three spots. How aggressive will Andrew Berry be in on, on draft day, off season? I, he's got some draft picks he can work with, and, and I would think Scott, like you have two fourths, you have two fifths, and you could turn one of those fourths, one of those fifths into a pretty good player on another team that another team has decided, yep, okay, not quite the fit, either money-wise or position-wise that we're looking for. And I, I hope he trades picks like crazy for guys <laughs> who can actually play. Do you expect, expect that, or do you think he'll actually try and draft guys and develop them this year? 
Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. I mean, we saw the fifth-round pick last year turn into Amari Cooper, right? And to me, it was one of yeah. the best moves across the NFL. Abs- absolutely right. Right? So I'm sure he will try to do the same thing this year. And he won't – and he's shown he's going to – he's shown the willingness to be super aggressive. Right? He learned a lot from Howie Roseman in that one year he spent in Philly between his stints with the Browns, and Howie Roseman is as aggressive as anybody in the league. So I have no doubt that Andrew Barry will be aggressive and will pursue all options. What I, what I wonder about is, you know, this front office has a long-term philosophy, right? Which means you draft players young, you let them develop, you keep them on your roster, even if they haven't shown anything, right? We've seen that time and again. Uh, and it's a sound strategy, right? I mean, it makes sense. You let, you know, draft guys early, you let them develop, you coach them. But, if you feel intense pressure to win in 2023, then maybe you shift that, right? Maybe you feel like your roster is at a position, your organization is at a place where you don't take that long-term approach and you draft guys that are older and maybe you trade up because you feel like, okay, yes, that third round pick or that fourth round pick is really important, but it's not as important as getting this guy right now. Right? So, I think that's going to be fascinating to watch because you can't have just a we're selling all out for 2023, but I do think you have to really have that sense of urgency for 2023 just because of how the last two years went and, in my mind, the pressure heading into the season. Scott, let me just switch gears for a tiny bit, not even a true gear switch, but the Haslam's trying to buy into uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, you can read more about it with you at Brown Zone with uh, with Scott Petrak at brownzone.com. Um, your thoughts on them, you know, trying to expand that Haslam sports group. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, they obviously like the NBA. They've tried to get into the NBA before. Um, they're expanding just their portfolio of professional sports teams. And that's something they really like. They enjoy the process. I think it's a good way to make money. You know, the professional sports teams don't drop in value. So um, it feels like only a matter of time before it was an NBA team. And then it looks, it certainly looks like it's going to be the Bucks. Um, you know, and that's a lot of money. I know the, you know, it's the Bucks have been valued at 3.5 billion. Um, and I think the Haslam's are going to buy a quarter stake in that. Um, but that's a lot of money, right? It's almost as much money as they paid for all of the Browns um, a decade ago. That worked out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least from a money standpoint if you if they ever want to sell oh there's no doubt i mean goodness I, you know i don't know what the browns would be you know are they 1.8 are they 2 billion right now but obviously it's a huge um bump from when they bought the team like i said 2012 i think scott i think the answer to this is no does the haslam's interest in buying other franchises do anything with how they run the browns I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you could, I suppose, argue that their attention would be, you know, whatever, split a little bit. Um, but, you know, they're not making the personnel decisions, right? They have all kinds of people in place underneath them. So there's a lot of guy, a lot of people, families out there that own multiple professional organizations. So I, I don't think it would have an impact. I, you know, we were talking about it. You know, you said trying to get it in the NBA, trying to get it in the NBA, and Jeff and I went into this whole conversation about well, if they get into the NBA with the Bucks, does this lead to something bigger in case the NBA wants expansion? And, and then, like yeah. they did in oh. Pittsburgh, you yeah. get in, and then 
the Browns open up or maybe they could buy a buy an NBA team flat out or if they wanted to go to Nashville or something, you never like, know. Uh, like you look at, uh, you know, how tight-knit the NFL ownerships group is. I, like, I wonder if that's that same kind of feeling for the NBA that if, okay, Jimmy established that you want to be a part of the club here in Milwaukee and somewhere down the road, maybe there's bigger, better things or if we're looking for another ownership group to take over a team, you'll be, you know, ready to go because – the board of governors will be saying, okay, well, good. Okay, this guy's already, you know, green-lighted. Yeah, no, that's certainly an interesting thought, and that sounds right to me. Um, you know, I think you can draw some parallel from the fact that they were, you know, minority owners with the Steelers before making the jump to buy the Browns, gotten their foot in the door in the NFL. I think, you know, it would just make sense that the same thing would happen with the NBA if those opportunities became available. You know, I think the Bucks have a – kind of a unique structure where it's like four groups have a quarter, you know, 25% and they kind of rotate who's in charge. And it's a weird thing, but um, I think that's a good way to learn about the ways of the NBA, you know, and you're right. Those fraternities are tight knit. There's not a lot of people with, you know, billion dollars out there to buy teams, right. Which is why um, I think the Haslam's are able to buy multiple organizations why the lists are short when teams come open because just not a lot of people or not a lot of families have, you know, those kind of resources to spend that kind of money. Scott, I also want to touch on one other thing before we let you go. Jakeem Grant, you tweeted about that this morning. Jeff and I were talking about him last week. Um, the, the contract is restructured. What are your thoughts there? What kind of an impact could he have? And, you know, as Jeff and I were talking about, I mean, who knows? Maybe you could not only just return kicks because I thought that was a big loss last year when they lost him. But maybe you throw him in a, at wide receiver a little bit more than maybe some of us thought he might play. Yeah, I mean, it gives – I think, first of all, it gives Jakeem Grant an opportunity to see if he's healthy for next year, right? He's coming off the ruptured Achilles. You don't know how, how it's going to be. He's 30 years old. Um, instead of cutting him, you know, the Browns restructure the deal, and it gives – and it saves them cat space and gives him a chance to compete for a roster spot – and I certainly think the Browns missed him not only in the return game, especially early in the season, right? As the season went on, I thought Jerome Ford was pretty good at kickoffs. We saw Peoples-Jones have the touchdown against Houston. But early in the year, they missed Grant. And they did miss his speed, you know, especially on those jet sweeps that, you know, I know Kevin Spansky likes to run that action. They just really didn't have anybody to run that, especially when Schwartz, you know, was hurt and wasn't the same, wasn't the player they thought he could be. So they did miss him there. Um, I'd be a little leery to think that Grant's going to have the same impact that I thought he would have last year, just coming off the injury, being a year older. Um, but it certainly gives him a chance to compete. And if he can get back to that Pro Bowl player he was the previous two years, then, yeah, that would be a big spark. And then, you know, you could save Peoples-Jones for just receiver. And I think Grant, obviously, shown throughout his career, was a better returner than people's joneses even when people's jones is playing well scott as, as always buddy thank you thanks man thanks, guys. scott petrack chronicle telegram brownzone.com joining us on the north homestead chrysler cheap dodge ram hotline this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 